setting fire to the stoner stereotype. Sparking up candid conversations with cannabis researchers, entrepreneurs, and advocates. Educator, author, and advocate Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Please welcome the host of Burning Issues, Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Hey, thanks for joining us on Burning Issues, where we burn away the cannabis myths with science. As you guys know, I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine, professor of psychology at the University of Albany, author of Oxford University Press books, Understanding Marijuana, and the High Times columnist, Ask Dr. Mitch. Today, we'll chat with legendary activist Chris Goldstein, and we'll have our usual segment, Self-Compassion and the Art of Activism. I do need to give a shout out to folks who've been sending things to my University at Albany address. I appreciate all the cards and letters. There's no need to send me anything that's against federal law. I'm impressed with all your work, but the mailroom's a little upset with me when things smell like a skunk. Um, Chris Goldstein's actually the guy who got me first started in podcasting. Uh, back in 2005, he ran the normal podcast, and I'm embarrassed to say uh, Chris and I spoke more often than I spoke with my own mother. Uh, he's a devoted dad, an avid fisherman. He's done a ton of work for New Jersey Normal and Philly Normal, and he's also senior editor at Freedom Leaf Magazine. Chris, welcome to Burning Issues. Hey, Mitch. It is great to be on the show and, and sort of on the other side of the microphone here today. Great to hear your voice, and I'm glad to see you podcasting. Well, can you tell us all just how you ended up working in reform? Well, it, it's funny. I was on public radio for about 10 years out at KSFR in beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. And at that time, this is back in 2005, podcasting was just coming into a, a trend and, and becoming normal. And all of a sudden, iTunes offered podcasts in the iTunes Music Store. I was contacted at the time. Every week, I would read the weekly press release from National Normal on my public radio show. And it was incredibly popular out there in Santa Fe. So I got contacted by Alan St. Pierre at National Normal, and he said, could you send that as an MP3 back to our webmasters who want to create a podcast? So we started Normal News. And just reading those press releases every week and starting to do the podcast really keyed me into what was going on out there in the marijuana reform movement. The following year, I attended my first National Normal Conference out in California, and I heard these amazing speeches from all of the folks uh, around the country. And I realized that marijuana reform was indeed a unified national movement and that Normal had chapters just throughout the country. Uh, after recording all the speeches at that conference, they said, Hey, Chris, you know, how about a daily show? And that's where you came in. We had Normal's daily audio stash. You were on once a week. We all had regular segments with Alan St. Pierre, Keith Straw, Steve Bloom at Celeb Stoner. We had tons of political and celebrity interviews. And this was sort of like my university of reform. Uh, after I moved back here to the East Coast, to New Jersey in the Philadelphia area, I decided to put all this to work. You know, all the activists that I've interviewed and spoken with over the years, all the politicians, I thought, let's see if I can apply that locally. And I joined Philly Normal in Normal, New Jersey, and uh, just been working here ever since. And I got to jump right to this because everybody's dying to hear, are you the guy who got arrested at the Liberty Bell? Uh, not just me. Uh, myself and N.A. Poe uh, were both 
or we decided to have a protest called Smoke Down Prohibition, and this was a protest against federal prohibition laws. There are some amazing events like Seattle's Hemp Fest and the Boston Freedom Rally and Ann Arbor's Hash Bash and events in so many cities around the country that focus on local law. But we're in Philadelphia. We have this, this great history to attach to and these amazing spaces like Independence Hall National Historic Park. So we held this rally called Smoke Down Prohibition. Once a month, we would come to this free speech space outside in front of where the Liberty Bell is and uh, Independence Hall where the Declaration of Independence was signed, and we would hold a protest. For the first four months, no big deal. We would go out, have speeches at 420, everybody would light joints, and then we would leave. But after four months of this, the National Park Rangers and the U.S. Attorney's Office, the federal prosecutor, decided that they didn't like it so much and deployed a huge police action against us. Mitch, there were you know several hundred of, of us activists out there and three or four hundred police at times. This was National Park Rangers, Department of Homeland Security, the Philadelphia Police, local transit police, uh, Fish and Wildlife was out there. And <laughs> because we were on federal land, I learned the hard way that possession penalties, even today, even with all the reform and legalization in Colorado, Alaska, Washington, Oregon, if you're on federal property, you can face a really harsh consequence. Possession of any amount of marijuana on a national park or any type of federal property can get you up to five years of probation, six months in prison, and a $5,000 fine. And after I was cited twice for smoking joints there during these protests, they hauled me into federal court, and I have to remember my, my lawyer who's since passed, William Buckman, a, a great guy, I did a lot of work for National Normals Legal Committee, represented me pro bono, but I was convicted and sentenced to two years of supervised probation and a $3,000 fine for half of a joint for what amounted to be 0.4 grams of marijuana. So, you know, we, we made our point. We highlighted what was going on. We kept going with peaceful protests. And at the end of the day, uh, again, I've learned uh, very personally that federal law and federal prohibition really have to change. I can't even begin to describe what that must have been like. I mean, to have all those cops around and all that stuff like that. But the other thing is, I got to admit, in the back of everybody's mind is, holy cow, Chris Goldstein is on probation for two years. That means supervised drug tests. Indeed it does, Mitch. My probation officer comes to my house once a month and gives me a urinalysis to make sure that I'm not smoking marijuana. And um, I will say this is about 15 and a half months into this process. And it's uh, the longest break I've taken from consuming cannabis uh, since I was about 18 years old. So it has been an interesting, uh, an interesting journey. Uh, to go through this uh, federal abstinence, as it were. I wasn't a heavy smoker, but I, I certainly did enjoy myself, and at certain events and things like that, I enjoyed myself more more than more than others at, at times. Um, so coming off of cannabis and, and going into this, uh, uh, again, imposed abstinence, it was an interesting thing. I, I did not go through uh, what you might characterize as withdrawal, I will say that one of the interesting aspects was I started having much more intense dreams. 
Um, and for the first couple of months, I just kept having really vivid dreams of marijuana, of myself smoking marijuana. So vivid, Mitch, that I would like wake up from these dreams where I was like rolling and smoking a joint, <laughs> and I was afraid that I violated my probation. You know what I mean? I'm <laughs> so afraid I do. Was, you know, I would wake up and I'd be like, oh, my God, what did I just do in my sleep? I just violated my probation. I'm going to get in all this trouble. But at the end of the day, it, and I thought, okay, well, you know, let's let's take a look at this. And I, I kept a journal of what I do and what I don't. I, I've been a pretty motivated guy my whole life, Mitch. Uh, that hasn't changed. I haven't become more motivated. Uh, my level of cynicism hasn't gone down or up. I, I've remained just as politically cynical as I've always been. I write for Philly.com as well as Freedom Leaf Magazine. My writing really hasn't changed much. I've, I've taken a look at that to see if there was any uh, major difference. I've always written feature length as well as news articles. So uh, it hasn't affected me. It's annoying. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's really annoying to write about marijuana every day and be in the marijuana movement and never be able to smoke it. it it's just annoying. I don't know any other way to put it. Uh, it's difficult, too, because the judge imposed a, a particular portion of my probation. I can't go to events where federal law is going to be broken as part of the plan, which means I wasn't allowed to go to the Boston Freedom Rally. I also have to get permission and travel outside of New Jersey. Um, the travel restrictions are much more difficult for me to deal with, quite frankly, uh, than the imposed abstinence. But Mitch, I'm telling you, as soon as I'm off probation, I'm getting on the first airliner from Philadelphia to Denver, where a lot of my friends have, uh, you know, accommodations and jars waiting for me, and I, I cannot wait to be a consumer again. Well, it's it's an amazing story, and I love that you really didn't have any uh, symptoms of withdrawal. That REM rebound is pretty well documented, and I actually ended up uh, having to take a test for some uh, long-term care insurance of mine and went through some of the same things, but it wasn't at all unpleasant. Uh, the fact that yours had marijuana content, I think, would make a youngian out of, out of anybody's. I think that's kind of cute. <laughs> we got to take a break now, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in to Burning Issues. And we'll be right back with Chris Goldstein to hear some more about Freedom Leaf Magazine and decriminalization in Philly. Thanks a lot. More burning issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on mjwellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out mjwellness.com today. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. 
No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues. Only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back. We've got Chris Goldstein here from Freedom Leaf Magazine, and he was just telling a wonderful tale about how he was arrested at the Liberty Bell. Can you give us a feel for how decriminalization has changed in Philly since then? The smokedown prohibition protests actually led us, and I've been working very hard with city council and other members of the Philadelphia city government to highlight the marijuana arrest problem in Philadelphia, Mitch. Like so many other urban environments, we had thousands of arrests per year, and there was a, a striking racial disparity to those arrests, just heavy racial disparity. Eighty to 85% of the arrests were people of color, mostly young men, aged 19 to 35. So we pointed this out several times to the DA, to the mayor's office, to city council, and they did create a diversion court called the Small Amount of Marijuana Program, but it still was a serious offense in that most of Pennsylvania, they weren't putting people into handcuffs for marijuana possession. They would give them a, a court appearance, you know, for the misdemeanor. But in Philadelphia, we had a really harsh procedure. Everybody, for any amount, 4,500 4, times a year, were put into handcuffs and holding cells for marijuana. Finally, after a meeting, after raising some, some awareness and some publicity through the protests, we had a meeting with Councilman Jim Kenney, who was a councilman at large at, at Philadelphia City Council, and Jim saw the arrest statistics, and he saw a solution to the problem, and he worked with us on crafting a decriminalization bill for Philadelphia. And we don't have ballot initiative process like many other states and cities. We have to go through the city council. We have to go through the legislative process, as it were. So Jim Kenney introduced the bill at city council. We had hearings, and we won. Uh, it was uh, a pretty amazing show of support by city council. I think the final vote was 13 to 2. And then it went to Mayor Michael Nutter, who kind of dilly-dallied around. At first he said he didn't like it. The police commissioner, Charles Ramsey, who is a, a nationally known guy, he led President Obama's task force on 21st century policing. They both said that they didn't like it. Mayor Nutter wasn't sure if he was going to sign it, but then he did. So now in Philadelphia, we have a civil citation. And that's what decriminalization means. I, I think decrim gets thrown around a little bit out there, Mitch, but what decriminalization means is eliminating criminal offense and reducing the fine. And a civil citation, which is now $25 for possession in Philadelphia and 100 bucks for smoking in public, means that when you get that ticket, you never have a permanent record for drugs or marijuana. It means that on uh, an application to join the military or for public housing or for a job, on that questionnaire and it says, have you ever been arrested for anything, including drugs? You can honestly say no. Now, this also had the impact of deprioritizing marijuana with the Philadelphia police. Again, we're arresting about 300 to 400 people a month, putting them in handcuffs. Now, we've arrested, we've, we've issued 400 of those citations in six months. So arrests went down 70 to 80 percent. Interactions between cannabis consumers and the police went way down, again, 70 to 80 percent. And that's a good thing for the city of Philadelphia. Hey, we're a city that is full of millennials. We're an up-and-coming city with a lot of great business, a lot of tech infrastructure. And honestly, 
there is no reason that police need to be focusing on people possessing or smoking a small amount of marijuana out there. It's made the city much better, Mitch, and I, I don't foresee it changing anytime soon. Uh, we're going to continue to be the largest city in America to decriminalize marijuana until, you know, until New York really uh, gets it in the line. And even in places like Los Angeles, the decrim structure is a little bit more harsh. A $25 ticket until full legalization happens and we can buy some good marijuana in a retail store, I guess that's fair. I think that's just splendid work that you've done there. The racial disparity stuff is such an embarrassment for the entire country. Harry Levine has data showing that both L.A. and New York City had such overrepresentation of basically anybody whose Spanish is better than ours or whose skin is darker. So I, I can't thank you enough for taking that work. Is there a reasonable first step that our listeners might want to take if they want to get decrim in their hometowns? Yeah, we were lucky, uh, Mitch, in that Pennsylvania has an open database for crime statistics. So one of the things that really moved city council was not just looking at the marijuana arrests, but comparing marijuana arrests to heroin and cocaine, showing that there's not only people of color are getting arrested for marijuana, but police tend to focus on marijuana. They're, they're performing fewer arrests for cocaine and heroin combined and for marijuana. Again, though, Pennsylvania is only one of two states that has an easily accessible crime database. So the first step is to analyze the data, present the data. And that might take an open public records act request or a FOIA request. I would suggest working with your local ACLU office. I worked with the ACLU in New Jersey where you can't get the crime data so easy. And with the ACLU of New Jersey, we were able to get those marijuana arrest stats for the 10 biggest cities. And that was an important part of moving the issue a bit forward in, in New Jersey as well. So, yeah, that's the best first step I think people can take. Analyze the data and also highlight people who have really suffered, uh, you know, lost a, a student loan, lost housing because of a simple marijuana possession charge. And I, I think that's a, a really good way to move the issue forward. I really appreciate that coaching, and that does sound really doable. And, and I find uh, ACLU local folks are always eager to work with anybody, so that sounds great. You're also senior editor at Freedom Leaf Magazine. Could you tell us a bit about the magazine? Yeah, absolutely. This is a project that we started, uh, we're almost a year into it. It started last fall, and our first issue came out in October of last year. Freedom Leaf Magazine um, is uh, edited also by uh, my my senior editor there at the magazine, editor-in-chief, is Steve Bloom, formerly an editor at High Times Magazine, the uh, author of the website, celebsoner.com. And we have a great mix of writers in this magazine every month, Mitch. Paul Armentano, Normal's deputy director, is writing uh, quite often. Eric Altieri, who used to be at National Normal, still giving us chapter updates. We have articles on hemp. We have articles on the latest politics, science, Dr. Jehan Marcoux is our, our science editor over at the magazine with a regular monthly column. And the point here was the magazine is free, and we print 30,000 copies a month, and we send them out to normal and SSDP chapters around the country. Now, having run a normal chapter myself, uh, you know, in, in a couple of states, I knew how important it was to have something to give away on the street at events and within meetings so that people have something that, uh, you know, sort of unites the chapters. Now, we are big supporters of Students for Sensible Drug Policy as well. They have regular columns in the magazine. So, again, this was the, the effort was is to create great current material 
for chapters to be able to use within themselves to hand out to members of the public. But also, this is an era where there's so much news and so much reporting that can be done on the subject of marijuana that even in a 100-page magazine doing it once a month, we can't cover it all, but we try. So I think, you know, in, in this day and age, we have a digital copy of the magazine as well. You can go to freedomleaf.com, click on e-zine, and you can read the whole issue and all of our past issues up there in a digital edition. We're working on a, a mobile app right now, which will allow people to read those on their smartphones and their tablets as well. So this is a way to unite information about marijuana and also help the normal network. You know, our goal at Freedom Leaf is to help normal as a nonprofit to help the chapters raise awareness, but also help the national organization eventually down the road bring in more donations as well. Yeah, we can't thank you guys enough. The last board meeting, we spent a great deal of time discussing Freedom Leaf and just really relishing it. I got a huge kick out of the Willie Nelson <laughs> section, too, and I know you had a chance to meet him. Would you care to give us a minute on that? Oh, absolutely. Willie, you know, Steve Bloom and I have run this Facebook page called Willie Nelson's Teapot Party for years, and this is sort of a personal project that we do with Willie and his family uh, centered around marijuana legalization. But yeah, Willie was kind enough in our first issue last year to sit down. We went down to Atlantic City and met him on his bus and did an interview with him. Of course, I was on probation, and he gave me a rain check, you know, for coming back on the bus <laughs> when I'm not on probation. But his book is out now, and it's, it's incredible. And in one of our recent issues, he gave us permission to reprint an excerpt from his book. And again, uh, listeners can check that out right up on our website, freedomleaf.com. Go to the easing section. You'll see the cover with Willie right on it, and you can read that portion of his book. But Willie, a, a kind and generous soul not just to normal, but to marijuana activists in general. We're really lucky to have him part of this family. Well, my hearty thanks again for being on the show, Chris. Really best of luck with Freedom Leaf Magazine and all the stuff you're doing in Philly. Fitz, thank you, and a bright and happy days podcasting. Have fun with this. Thanks so much, man. You take care. All right. Have a good day. More burning issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at CarterInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. 
Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, welcome back to Burning Issues. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine with our next chapter in Self-Compassion and the Art of Activism. Here's the part of our show that encourages all our listeners to take good care of themselves and each other. Great things are going on in psychology right now on the topic of validation. Validation is how we give ourselves and each other a little confirmation. It's how we let folks know that we hear them, We can do it with a simple head nod or a mm mm-hmm, and a little smile can also help send the message home. This might be one of those times when it's easier to understand something from its opposite. Invalidation is when someone tries to undermine or dismiss our experience. It's when they don't know the whole story, but they think they do, and they kind of jump to a conclusion that's usually wrong. So let's reject invalidations out of hand, even if it's only in our own minds. I'm afraid all our childhoods are probably full of these invalidations. Uh, a little friend of mine cried once when his fish died and his mom said, don't be sad, I'll buy you another one. And it's a nice intention, but it invalidates his genuine sad feelings. Another little friend of mine was uncomfortable in her booster seat, and as her dad was trying to loosen the buckle, her mom said, she's just being a brat. And it's a bad way to invalidate a whole person's identity when what was really just a simple, situational complaint. So anytime someone's going to tell us how we feel or what we think, we can put a big X over their faces in our minds. We can just reject any inaccurate description of us or the world or the future. There's no need to let other people's invalidating ideas bounce around in our heads. These childhood experiences might be why people need validation more than we might guess. Sometimes it's really all they need. When friends come up and they start a detailed, weepy story, I sometimes think I'm supposed to generate a solution to all their problems, but usually they just want me to listen. Listen and validate. My wife came home once all flustered from some nonsense at work, and she's way smarter than I am, so I know she didn't need me to give her an idea for how to fix it. I'm sure she could have thought of any solution I could have come up with. Instead, I just said, sounds like a drag, and I'm so sorry, and that would frustrate anyone. All these things were true, and now she thinks I'm the perfect husband for her. But 20 years ago, I'm afraid I might have said, hey, did you try this? Or here's what you should do, and that would have been less than no help. And I really hate sleeping on the couch. So how do we validate the folks in our lives? Like any other skill, it's going to take some practice, but we can go far with just head nods and reflections and genuine listening. 
We can't go wrong with the head nod. Carl Rogers made a whole therapy out of this move. Give him your undivided attention, eye contact and all, and nod away. And not that one hand on the phone while you nod. Let him see you're right there with him. And then letting folks know we're listening is the next step. This is where the reflections come in. Imagine saying what they said back to them in a way that makes it clear you understand. I see what you mean. I hear what you're saying. And all those expressions go a long way. It might feel weird at first, but plenty of folks get used to it, and it can mean a lot. Note that it's always a statement, not a question. Reflections are statements. Nobody wants to get sidetracked in the middle of an emotional rant. It's a statement when your voice inflection goes down at the end. So when my wife was upset at work, I said, they don't seem to be listening. Hear how the tone goes down at the end? Not, they don't seem to be listening, because that sounds like a question. And I don't want her to think I'm questioning her assessment of the situation. Like I said, I hate the couch. And then we can use their words or even sort of play around with our own mental thesaurus. Nothing fancy. My wife explained how unresponsive some coworkers were, and I said, they sound like slugs. And I let her know that I got the idea, and it also encouraged her to continue. Nobody wants to talk to a vacuum. She gave me all the he says and she says, and then I said, you explained it to them. This reflection let her know that I understood. The more details I can reflect, the more obvious it is that I'm really listening. When we're feeling brave, it's time to reflect the feelings. This is how we get to the meat of burning issues. Feelings are often what motivate people to change a situation, so it can be very encouraging to go there. We also all need the occasional support for our negative emotions. It's like we're checking in with somebody to make sure our reaction makes sense. Sometimes we'll have an easy time reflecting an obvious feeling. Someone sounds extremely frustrated, and all we have to say is, that sounds frustrating. And it's as if the steam goes out of their ears all the faster. It's, it's also how they get to blow off steam. Half the time, I don't even pick the right feeling, but at least I'm in that feelings domain. It's as if I'm saying, it's okay to talk about emotions now, and people dive right in. Sounds confusing, or I'd be frightened, or that would make me sad. And then folks just let the feelings pour right out. It's surprisingly intimate and helpful. They're really pretty simple, but it isn't always easy. Giving folks our undivided attention, giving the head nods and the mm mm-hmms and the reflections, it's a big help. Our listening can be very validating. Give it a try with someone near and dear to you. Let's see what happens. Who knows? This might plant the seed for the next time we need a little validation ourselves. Thanks for listening to Burning Issues. My hearty thanks to producer extraordinaire Brasco and our guest, Chris Goldstein of Freedom Leaf Magazine. Please join us again next week. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine at CanvasRadio.com. Follow your heart and let the data be your guide. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. 
Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. 